and welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks. Whether you are planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're reminiscing about two parks where flexibility was key. So, Elizabeth, you have some uh, fun news to share. Yeah, I was just going to say, do you hear the birds outside? That's not my fun news. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The birds are here. It's so fun. It's kind of cozy today. So, it's a Saturday. We're recording not the day that we're publishing for once. This is crazy. We're ahead of the game. For once. And the birds are rewarding us. Yeah, and it's like a cozy, rainy, good job. Good job. Right? Right. No, it's... They're not... I mean, they're saying that to me. <laughs> it's a nice, uh, overcast, cozy Saturday. Elizabeth's got her coffee. I've got... Uh, I don't drink coffee, so... <laughs> he has nothing. His I've... heart is empty. So, okay, you do have and, some exciting and news, though. under-caffeinated. Yes, so really cool, really exciting thing that is happening in April for me, mostly, also a little bit for Cole, as a, he's going to be in my little sidecar, I guess, for this. <laughs> um, I am going to a our, my very first blogging conference in Milwaukee, and it's called WITS, which is Women in Travel Summit, and it's going to be so fun. It's one of the biggest um, travel blogging conferences in the country especially the biggest women in travel. Um, And so it's going to be just a huge conglomeration of women writers and photographers and um, influencers, and then also a lot of brands and people to our potential partnerships. So it's going to be a lot of learning, a lot of networking, a lot of things that I'm terrified of. (laughs) (laughs) Like standing, mingling in a room of strangers is probably my worst nightmare. But it'll be a good challenge. So I'm really excited. Cole and I are both going to go up there and then he'll find something else to do, I guess. I'll be waiting in the hotel room to cheer you on, give you the pep talk. He, Yeah, it, that'll be necessary because I'll need a lot of like encouragement because it's very much out of my wheelhouse. But it's going to be fun. And we've never been to Milwaukee before, so it's, it's not a very far drive from St. Louis. Six hours. I was super surprised. Yeah, so we'll, we'll drive up there. We'll have a few days of the conference, a bunch of events, and a lot of busy uh, stuff to do, and then come back. So it'll be a quick weekend, but I'm really excited to learn a lot more and um, start to pretend like we are professionals at this, which we're not. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we have always ba- struggled with the balance. This is a hobby. This is a passion for us. The whole Switchback Kids blog, the whole Switchbacks podcast, all of our social media. We just love doing it. We love sharing the parks. We love, um, you know, hearing your all stories. But it's also, I mean, it is a lot of work, and it's a also a fun business adventure. It is, and I, I feel like we're just right on the cusp, you know. We've been, during the trip, we really didn't focus much on business 
aspects of the blog because or we were, promoting or promoting or, or getting a big audience yeah we really didn't focus on that at all because we were in the parks we were literally in the parks and then once a week we would hunker down in a starbucks for four hours and get all of our posts out and videos done so it was all about content creation during the year yeah so really front-loaded and now we're just kind of our heads are kind of just the wheels in our heads are spinning turning trying to figure out how can we turn this into more of a um a business and to reach a wider audience and to um just you know make it something that's sustainable exactly yeah and so that is like if you're looking for a way to help you could go to visit our blog you know switchbackkids.com and check out all the posts we have on all the different national parks i guarantee there's one you haven't been able to read right um, we, we and we're working on our our website especially um and keep in mind we're doing all of this by ourselves and so we're, we're learning as we go but we're also we're we're working on turning our website into more of a resource base a, a just a, a resource bank i mean um for all things national parks because we have so much content and we feel like it's really quality content that it's just the, the the getting it out there is the part that we're working on right now. So um, stay tuned for more um, of us <laughs> pretending like we're professionals at this thing. Yeah, and I, I, to stay tuned, you could also, I mean, we're coming out with a newsletter and stuff like that. So uh, you could go just put your email in on the switchbackkids.com page. You'll get prompted by a little pop-up box so stuff like that is how you can stay tuned and subscribing to the podcast of course if this is your first time hearing it or you just haven't uh, subscribed to get it in your feed we'd love that Uh, and sharing it with other people of course because we don't you know we only know so many people and most of them have already heard what they're doing and are probably sick of us telling them about it and and always talking about the parks 24 7 but if you can tell new people that's how we can spread uh, and share with more people about the parks because they're awesome yeah and if you have any other ideas of how you want this like we're doing this for you guys basically we're, you know, it started as a project for us so that we can document all of our travels. And there, there's definitely an element of that that will always be there. But we're doing this, the, the business side of this for all of you guys. And so if there's a different way that you want content, let us know. Just, you know, engage in some way. We have, um, you can email us, you can comment on any of our social media or anything like that to just kind of contribute to it because we're very open to, you know, um, adapting our content for what you guys want yeah because i'm not worried about selling out anytime soon we are not going to be making uh this is not a money-making endeavor for us uh so we're we're not worried about that that has never been the priority which is nice uh, to be able to just know that it is a hobby and we'd love for it to you know grow and explode and uh, you know whether it does or not we just are happy to think that everybody who listens learns a little bit about the parks and gets to love them a little bit more like we do on that inspiring note are you ready to be humiliated this is my favorite part of every week this one i think is going to be fun so 
Here is our segment called Parks in the News. All right, Cole. So I have four questions for you, and these are very much Parks in the News related. Sometimes the quiz is not really related to Parks in the News, but these are. So I'm going to ask you four questions. And let's say if you get three out of four questions right, then you win. Okay. We'll go with that so that you don't have to lose all the time. C's get degrees. <laughs> okay, here's the first question. So this is recently announced, but the newest NPS unit, which is going to be a national historical park in New Mexico, will mark the site in which what powerful mix of chemicals was first created and what device i guess with with a mix of chemicals was first created in the 1940s well i know it has to be something with the manhattan project so what i mean they were working on the atomic bomb yeah you got it okay (laughs) i don't know what exactly you're looking for i don't know if i worded that confusingly (laughs) it's called man it will be called the manhattan project national historical park and it's three units throughout new mexico throughout us an area in new mexico where the atomic bomb was first um created which will be interesting sounds tight yeah what about the area 51 national historic site when is that gonna come i don't know cole is that nevada or new mexico i think that's new mexico okay i think yeah. i could be wrong i mean aliens are a really important part of our national <laughs> history we had some very famous aliens you know George Washington. Okay. Wait. Um, <laughs> the segment in which Cole goes crazy. Okay. Let's move on. Question number two. Um, so the National Park Service announced that their, um, their statistics from 2016, and of course they were record shattering. The park saw a seven, I think it was like seven and a half percent increase from 2015. Dang. Uh, at 33. Sorry, 331 million visitors to the 417 units. I'd be happy okay. if my uh, 401k got a 7.5% increase <laughs> this past year. Um, so only uh, four parks, four national park units accounted for 50 million of those visitors. Name the four park units. So basically, the four highest attended yeah, park. Yeah, and units. I'll give you a hint. One of them is a national, like a capital N, capital P national park. Three are park sites. Okay, well, one is the Blue Ridge Parkway. I know that's historically the most visited national park unit. Ding ding ding. Okay. That's one. That's the number two, actually. Oh, interesting. It, it, it was very close, but it dropped actually. So a different one took over. Wow. Okay. Then I'm going to go for the National Park next, and I think that's, um, shoot, what is that? Oh, Great Smoky Mountains, of course. Of course. Is the most visited national park. Yep, that was number three of the units. Yeah, two down, that's number three. So number one, still thinking, uh, I'm going to say Golden Gate Recreation Area. Ding, ding, ding. You're so good today. Yeah. You got them. Yeah. You're getting them all. Okay, so there's one more. Is that number one or yeah, number that, four? that was number one. Okay, dang. That was number one. Number four is going to be tough then. It was close. Uh, I'm trying to think of parkways, which are basically roads, because people travel on that, you know, those kind of by accident and visit by accident sometimes. <laughs> uh, so there's the Natchez Trace Park, or Parkway um, down in, like, the southeast 
but there's also like Gulf Shores is super um, surprisingly visited. Ah, there's also you could think of the stuff in D.C., uh, but I'm going to say Natchez Trace Parkway. Sorry. You're close. Uh, um, it is a parkway, and it is in Na- in Washington, D.C. It's the George Washington Memorial Parkway. Oh, I would have never gotten that. So many people visit. Okay, so 50 million visitors in those four parks. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Okay, question number three. The Marine Pollution Bulletin published a study after cleaning up and analyzing ocean trash from 28 beaches in Alaska's national parks, five of Alaska's national parks. Some of the trash came from nearby, um, but some had traces from far away, including Thailand, China, Korea, Russia, and even a, a certain event that happened in 2010, a certain world event that happened in 2010. What's that event? Gotta be the tsunami in Japan. Correct. Good job. So trash coming from all over the world, which is crazy how they can trace that. But um, yeah, I think they should have little tracker bots in the trash so they can show how it, it migrates across the ocean. Because think of how long a journey that's come. You sh- you <laughs> should teach that in your classroom, right? I Wouldn't that be interesting? You're, are you talking about creating trash so that you can track it i mean it's for learning for, of for course science. For Litter, science. littering for science i mean you do dissection of yeah. dead animals and critters it in would, science class it would be interesting because it's not like a certain path that any trash takes it's like so unpredictable where it's going to end up which is a good psa for not throwing any trash in your oceans and really trying not trying hard not to Use plastic even when you're at the beach, just in case, because things get away from you. And it shows up in a whole nother place six, seven years later after floating all the way across the ocean. Yeah. It does not disappear. That's crazy. Just okay, ready for the fourth, the last question? Hit me. All right, here we go. This is an exciting one. This is a really cool event that happened. So recently, which country in South America just received an 11 million acre private land donation, which is the largest in history um, and is turning the land into five new national parks as part of the, quote, root of parks network spanning from Puerto Montt to Cape Horn, 1,500 miles. Which country just received this huge uh, private land donation? Well, I, I got to so it's a long stretch of 1,500 miles, Cape Horn. Uh, so I got to say Argentina. Wrong. <laughs> I was trying no. to throw you off. You're um, way too happy. So Yeah, I know. So the, the Root of Parks Network is 17 national parks in Chile and Argentina spanning basically Patagonia, all of from Puerto Montt to Cape Horn. The land donation was received in Chile. Oh. On the Chile side. On I had a one and two shot. And I and you am blew it. so stupid. You blew it. 
But three out of four, Cole, you still passed the test. The first time ever. Hooray. Just kidding. You're the best. There's more where that comes from. You um, just wait. Yeah, you just wait because I'm creating the questions and they're going <laughs> to get harder. <laughs> I cannot wait. Okay. Are you ready to get started with what everybody came here for today? Definitely. Actually, I think everybody came here for the coal humiliation hour. <laughs> but let's Elizabeth get on to the... Elizabeth came here for the coal humiliation <laughs> hour, that's for sure. Let's, get, let's move on to the next, the main event today, which is this, this uh, wrapping up the topic of, wrapping up the theme we've been talking about in the last few episodes of what happens when vacation goes wrong. Um, we're going to be talking today about having those two parks where, where we experience the most need for flexibility. Yeah. So the first park we're going to talk about is Canyonlands. So Canyonlands was in the first half, first leg of our trip in September. Uh, or was it October? I think it was the very beginning of October. Okay. So Canyonlands is one of the Mighty Five in Utah. It is right outside Moab at the intersection of the Green and Colorado Rivers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we were coming from Capitol Reef National Park because we were coming east across Utah. Specifically, we were coming from a hotel, which was the best part. Oh, yeah. You do remember that, don't you? I do. We stayed in a hotel after Capitol Reef, and it was nasty, but it was glorious. With seven hotels in our one, year, one you, star. You uh, you remember each one you pay for. So oh yeah, well the specifically I remember almost running out of gas. Yes, and I was pretty wanted, annoyed with you at that yeah, point. Yeah, because we wanted to go to Goblin Valley, Goblin Valley. Goblin yeah, Goblin Valley State Park. State Park, um, which we've heard is amazing, and we were on our way there, and we realized that we were almost out of gas, and we had to turn all the way back because we knew there wasn't going to be a gas station anywhere close we almost had to like we well, it was taking the our gps was taking us to a gas station supposedly um but it, we ended up like coming to like basically a break in the road yeah impassable yeah, impass completely so we had we were so frustrated we had to turn all the way around it must have been like a shortcut or something to the park to the state park we thought we would be able to go there then continue on to the gas station we ended up having to turn around get gas and then it was time to there wasn't enough time in the day to go to the state park so we'll have to go back we'll have to come back sometime yeah so anyway. i guess anyway <laughs> i guess that's a example of flexibility right oh, there Oh, for sure yeah there's so many times when we just had to like swallow like our plans and our pride and like our intentions for the trip and just move on and and do something else and this was one of those times so and in Canyonlands, we there are three different districts so first, in the southernmost, I believe, uh, I guess southeast, maybe technically, is the Needles District. Then you also have the most popular Islands in the Sky District. And then there's the least visited, super remote Maze District, which just sounds awesome. But we didn't get to that one. First, we went Isn't to the, the maze, Needles. The Maze District is where... Aaron Ralston... Aaron Ralston uh, chopped had, off his had arm. Cut off his arm. Yeah. Sorry. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen 127 hours, or the news, yeah. it is, it, I don't think it counts as a spoiler <laughs> if it's like 
20 years later. Just don't want anybody mad at us. Okay, anyway. We get a lot of hate mail these days, of course, so. Yeah, specifically in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> letters, like actual letters. Uh, howlers, actually. Oh. From Mrs. Weasley. Oh, those are the worst. Anyway. Mrs. Weasley loves the National Park, so she would never send a howler to us. <laughs> I can see her in an RV. Like one of those ones you go into, it looks like a dump one room. Uh, like Yeah, it's like a... 10 cubic feet. It's like a pop-up camper, but you walk in and it's like a palace. Yeah. Yeah. So I can, but I know I can see her at a national park at an overlook with her binoculars just peering out into the distance, maybe sitting on a bench and looking for the birds. Okay. <laughs> and then I can see Arthur, of course. He's the one who's trying to get her to go everywhere. Like, let's go on this trail. Let's go on this trail. Let's talk to the rangers. Let's do this. And she's like, let's just enjoy it. It sounds like you're uh, fun... you're projecting yourself in that scenario. Yeah, that's true. That's a <laughs> that's a huge tangent. Okay, Canyonlands. <laughs> so we were first went to the Needles District, and we had a pretty cool backpacking route set up for that. Uh, the two three days we were there. Uh, first, we did a couple of shorter hikes. Um, definitely recommend those because just right off the road you have short hikes that get you really cool canyon views uh, and you're hiking all along the red rock and everything but if you have any length of time at all super recommend either a backpacking trip ideally or a long day trip because that was one of the backpacking trips I, I really loved was going out into Canyonlands Needles area, specifically getting to Chesler Park. Mm -hmm. uh, so cool. Yeah, just uh, got these really cool formations of rock um, spires sticking up out of the ground, like super tall, layered in all different colors of red and orange, and you just get to walk through all of those really just neat setting. Um, and the, the backpacking sites are really spread out, so you're not close to many people. Uh, really, really good area. And we did that the first, the first day, stayed overnight, did a loop around the park. And the next day, we had planned to keep going and make a big loop uh, through uh, and visit Druid Arch, which sounded like a really cool, random... Uh, stone arch with a and we'd heard there was like a really nice uh, swimming pool there not not a real swimming pool I guess swimming hole uh, there <laughs> yeah guys there's a really cool swimming pool in the middle of the desert the beach <laughs> the beach chairs are so comfortable <laughs> no so th that's what our plan was and then to loop back to the car and then, and then I ruined it like I do everything. Yeah, I wasn't gonna say anything. Um, I got sick. It wasn't my fault. I got sick, and um, on the first day. And if you look at the okay, so we took a selfie every day of this whole trip. If you look at the selfie from that day, I look like death. It's horrible. I wasn't faking it. Um, so we we ended up we ended up dropping our camping stuff, setting up camp, and then doing like an extra four or five mile. Uh, loop just from the campsite 
to to explore some of the some some of the areas of the needles that we were going to hike to the next day but we ended up just kind of doing out and out and back right it was still a loop loop? it It was was it was like an extra loop it was basically the upper part of a figure eight so right at the the next morning we were going to basically finish the bottom part of the figure eight from our campsite and there was one really cool spot, by the way. Do you remember when we got into that slot? Yeah. And there were walls just like two feet uh, apart or, I don't know, three feet apart. It was comfortable. And But uh, this super narrow slot that you could just walk down and then turn one way and turn the other way, just totally enclosed. A little maze. Yeah. A little maze in the needles. So that was, that was a cool part. I wonder part. if there are needles in the maze district. One way to find out. Really cool backpacking trip, though. Um, then we moved. Then so we started in the Needles. Then we drove over to the Islands in the Sky. Highlights from there. Um, and this is these two things came directly from the National Geographic Secrets of the National Parks book that we had that we used a lot. So if you ever need like a gift idea, that's a really cool book. But these two were probably the most successful secrets, and they both happened in Canyonlands. One was called the White Rim Overlook. There are a lot of overlooks that you drive doing the scenic drive through Canyonlands, through the main part of Islands in the Sky. Um, But this one, it wasn't super labeled. There was, you could see, it said White Rim Overlook, and it also said um, like a picnic area over in the, like the back part of of the scenic drive. But it was the coolest overlook, and there were no people there. We were the only ones there. There was tons of crowds at the other because it's it's the end of September, super busy time for um, for the Utah parks to be visited, especially by you know RVers and a lot of the tour companies. So the the overlooks are really crowded. This one had no people and it was so cool. It was it was a, such a good view. Especially crowded was the end of the road overlook which i don't even remember what that was called because we always talk about the white rim overlook but but at the end of the road there's you know the main overlook where you get maybe a little wider angle uh of view of panorama we did both yeah yeah and we did that one and it was definitely worth it too but if you're looking for a secret solitary uh view all to yourself Check out White Rim. Yeah, you have to hike, I think, like a third of a mile to get out there. It's not far, um, but it's it was so cool. The other secret that we highly, highly recommend also is a backpacking spot called Murphy Point. And um, this is, you have to get a permit for this, but there's they only give one permit for this, this uh, backpacking site per night. So you're guaranteed to have it all to yourself. And we thought there was no shot for us to get this because it, we were coming in in the afternoon uh, to the Island in the Sky District, so it's first come, first serve. So we figured somebody must have snatched it up for that day in the morning uh, because there is only one, but the, it was wide open. So oh, and it was amazing, an amazing place to see the sunset. Um, so you and it's only it, I a mile, a mile, yeah, it's a mile from the road. So we um, we packed really lightly that night. Like we, I don't think we even brought our, um, like we ate dinner first. We didn't even really bring our cooking stuff. I don't think um, we just carried one backpack out, uh, full of stuff out from the car to the point, 
which and an amazing place to watch the sunset amazing place to see the sunrise like the the opposite of the sunrise i guess but it, the, the sky was really gorgeous um in the morning too and just totally all to yourself if you want to camp on somewhere like on a cliff on like with an amazing view of the canyons safe though and all to yourself this was a such an, an easy access um backpacking site really cool and side note about the backpacking permits is that if so we backpacked in the needles district and the permit was actually pretty expensive at 30 bucks or so dollars for the permit for the permit but that gets you the ability to reserve a spot you know which we did in the needles and then that also covers your whole i think any other nights you do are free yeah it's like 30 dollars for the to for all of your i think it's up to 14 days yeah and then any reservations you make you i think they have to be continuous but but you can leave one night out like for travel or whatever if you're going from one district to another so when we went from the needles to island in the sky we had a night where we just spent wherever but then the next night when we wanted to do our reservation at murphy point we were super glad that we didn't have to buy a whole 30 dollar permit again because our old one our one from the previous day still worked yeah so that's a good uh, side note We also, of course, there's like the classic Mesa Arch, which is um, a crowded place to be, but it's a famous hike. Um, Lots of photographers, lots of of visitors, but of course it's worth visiting. And then a lot of the other small overlooks, the small um, trails. Another thing that we would highly recommend is that you stop on your way to the park or from the park. We stopped on our way from the park to Dead Horse Point State Park which is just on the road to the to Canyonlands. Um, we stopped for mountain biking and uh, and views, of course, and it was gorgeous. It was such a cool um, part of the canyon. Yeah, Moab in general is renowned for mountain biking with their Slick Rock Trail, super famous. And Dead Horse Point State Park is also really big in mountain biking, lots of trails it seems like that's their main thing and it was super cool to just be able to bike all along the rim of the canyon and be able to look over to either side and see these awesome views Uh, so would definitely recommend that if you're into biking at all or even the views were just great from the visitor center yeah we're awesome really cool side trip to do and one thing i want to go back for at Canyonlands is, of course, the the Druid Arch and finishing that little backpacking trip in the Needles, um, because that did sound really cool. But also going down to the uh, I forget what it's called, the second level, uh, the White Rim Road. Oh, that is the White Rim Road. Yeah, it's a hundred mile loop. That right, a hundred yeah. mile loop um, along the lower rim of the canyon so most of what you'll see from the park and i don't think you can hike from one to the other um is is the upper level of the canyon and you'll see awesome views but if you get one one layer down to the white rim road there's like a hundred mile loop around um, these awesome canyon views 
Yeah. So along the river. That'd be really cool to do a you can overnight bike. biking yeah, trip. Yeah, you can bike it. You can also do four wheel drive. We had friends who used their Jeep um, and drove through it, and it looked amazing. Such good views. So we'll, we definitely have um, unfinished business at Canyonlands. Part of I knew, the reason it's included in this podcast is because of the flexibility we had to um, ha- we had to just swallow. We had to we had to like swallow our original plans and change it up and uh, be a little flexible. Also, knowing that we are will be returning to Canyonlands National Park. And then, second park, even more flexibility on display in Congaree National Park. And even more unfinished business, I would say. Definitely. Even for a very tiny, tiny park. So, you all probably don't remember this, but in, uh, I think it was, so a year and a half ago, basically, there were massive floods in South Carolina, and it was all around the Columbia, uh, South Carolina area, and that was right where Congaree is. Uh, So we went to Congaree, and we didn't really realize that it was still recovering from these massive floods like a few weeks or a month ago, and when we went, there was basically nowhere to hike. We were we were driving up and went to park in the visitor center, and we're thinking to ourselves, "Wow, this is um, really not a lot of cars. <laughs> There's nobody here. What's going on?" And I actually we did know we had heard that we had heard there that a lot of the trails floods. were going to be closed, yeah. and they had been for the you know a couple weeks leading up to our visit, but we weren't sure at the current of the current status. So we just drove up hoping for the best, and we talked to the ranger inside, of course, and the ranger was like, uh, so all of the trails are closed. <laughs> There's about a fourth mile of boardwalk open if you want to walk out on that. Um, so this was the park where we did the least amount of hiking, I would say. Well, I guess Kobuk Valley. <laughs> There's always Kobuk Valley. Um, but... We, I, I feel like in this park, the the solution was just to shift into a much lower gear of our normal uh, pace. So we we did the boardwalk. We also Cole um, coerced me into kayaking through the swamp area in our inflatable kayak, which was fun, but it was also very difficult to navigate through the trees. You got super nervous, and I still don't understand. I was afraid we were going to get lost. There was no way to know where we were. But there was. We kept... I was tracking us on my <laughs> Garmin GPS. I know. We so also... I knew exactly where we started we and al- how to get back. We also kept running into these trees that were full of giant spiders, like like a... Uh, half dollar sized spiders yeah everywhere around and so they kept getting on me and i didn't like that um and there were i knew there were alligators somewhere so back up though this is just from because all of the stuff was flooded we couldn't go on the trails we decided to launch our kayak which the ranger suggested right off the boardwalk so that's what we were doing is just launching into the floodplain that was covered in water so there were you know all these trees just out coming out of the water um and it was like a forest of course but we were floating in this forest and trying to navigate everything 
So it was a, a really different feel. There was no navigation uh, landmarks or anything at all. Everything looked exactly the same because it was all flooded and it was all in the same huge uh, bald cypress and just different pines and things like that. Uh, so it was it was interesting. I really enjoyed it. It was cool. I mean, it was fine. I gave you an hour of my time. <laughs> so and then generous. I, and then I started wanting to go back because I was afraid we were going to get lost in the swamp. And all the trails, again, no, there were no markers. There was no anything. Every It was just basically like launch your kayak from the boardwalk and hopefully you'll find your way back. So <laughs> it was fun, though. Um, it, I definitely would go. We would definitely go back for the trails and for like for the hiking trails. And then for the the there's like a water trail, too, I believe, or a route that people take on their kayak that was not accessible. Yeah. Float trip on the river. Yeah. Yeah, I would see. I really want to go back to Congaree. I think you're not as interested. I would go back to Congaree because uh, mostly because, like, as part of a road trip to the south, because we really haven't spent and given enough time to any. I would I would go if we were doing a trip to like uh, Charleston, Asheville, Charlotte, yeah. and we can throw in Congaree if you want. Sounds good. <laughs> I'll remember that. Yeah. We also, so other um, w- other ways that we kind of shifted gears here, we, we um, camped. We hung out more at our campsite, which was called Bluff Campground, and it's inside the park. It's only $5 a night, but you have to walk a mile from your car, so you, you have to carry everything. Um, so I feel like we actually had a very heavy load, and it was such a long walk even though it was just a mile, but we, we like really hauled out a lot of stuff. <laughs> we, we took our camp, we took our chairs, and we took um, our hammocks. We actually slept in our hammocks one night, and we're freezing. We were so <laughs> yeah. cold. Not a good day for hammocks. I love hammocks, and I love the idea of hammock camping because with this – so we have Eno hammocks. They're a pretty well-known name in camping hammocks and they're super comfortable just set up the hammock really easily between two trees with their straps but you can also enclose yourself in a bug net you can rig up a fly to go over it that all comes in this pack that's about the size of i don't know a coffee maker um and (laughs) i'm just (laughs) looking over at our coffee maker by the fridge there's a lot of sizes of coffee makers cole i don't know if that's very like a a gallon of yeah milk. like a milk gallon with all the stuff included like the actual hammocks like the size of a softball basically yeah so super lightweight super compact and thinking about using that instead of a big tent and a sleeping pad is really cool because i don't know you're just so much more versatile and and um low profile but the big thing you got to be careful, as Elizabeth said, is freezing all night. Because of the wind flow underneath you. Yeah. So you got to make sure you're doing it on a hot or very mild day. Yeah. I would love to take our hammocks um, to the Ozark Trail down here in Missouri sometime in maybe not the dead of summer because that would be too hot maybe, but like the end of like September, I think, or... Or May even would be really cool um, 
to do Sahira in Missouri some backpacking. I can see I can see you wanting to use hammocks then. Definitely. And we didn't get to use them as much as we had hoped in the parks because a lot of the parks don't let you put up your hammocks like Joshua Tree or Saguaro. You're not going to be hooking them up to oh, the especially, cacti. Especially especially Dry Tortugas. Do you remember how adamant they were? Because they have like two trees on the whole island. They're like, don't touch our trees. Do not even touch them. Like especially don't hang anything from them. And yeah, somebody I'm, still had a hammock hang, hung up. I know. People are the worst. Yeah. But yeah, you. so we really couldn't hammocks were not allowed at pretty much all of the campgrounds in the national parks um yeah so we didn't use it as much as we thought we would but anyway congaree was a nice quieter slower park for us we only spent a few days there we saw one other person i think or one other group of people um and we definitely have some unfinished business that's right So that wraps up our discussion on being flexible in the parks. And it actually wraps up our whole discussion on what happens when vacation goes wrong. We talked about um, we talked about weather. We talked about what else did we talk about? We talked about here being flexible. We talked about. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you should have thought this through before I know. going, going well, anyway, on this list. Lots of, lots of times when we had to kind of change up our plans last minute. Oh, travel fatigue. That was the other big yes, thing we talked course. about. So if this is the only time we talk about anything going wrong, that means we had a pretty good trip, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Next theme that we're talking about is going to be a really good one for you guys to pay attention to, and it's budgeting for... Um, for the parks, for any travel, for how basically how we afforded to travel for a year without working. So stay tuned for that. Um, and yeah, so thank you guys so much for checking us out today. We'll be back next week with an interview. So before we start talking about budgeting, we will be talking about it or we will be interviewing. Um, and I think you guys are really going to like this interview. So if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend. Give us a rating on iTunes. Find us on social media at Switchback Kids. And you can always get additional National Parks videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out. Switchbacks out.